Good evening and welcome to Mystery. I'm Vincent Price. Tonight, part three of our intriguing tale of deception. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones in the IMAX theater. And that reminds me of a great deal of mail which we've had from loyal mystery viewers asking how do we decide what stories fall in the genuine category of a mystery. Some argue that the classic whodunit is the only mystery. Many stoutly justify classifying tales of the supernatural within the realm of the mystery. Perhaps the best way to answer the question, what is a mystery, is the one suggested by Dillis Wynn in her now classic mystery reader's companion, Murder, Inc. Miss Wynn neatly sums it up. Any book that focuses on crime is a mystery. Tonight in part three, strange events continue to take place, which establish Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones in the IMAX theater. Solidly within the best mystery traditions. It combines the analytical deceptions of the Roman policier, the psychological tension of the best suspense story, and the evil of the thriller. points is jason and escape we got a mystery tonight for you i don't know if you heard vincent price talking there in the beginning but tonight's episode is quite the mystery not only was attack of the clones about a mystery its actual existence as a movie contains many mysteries if you you know you break it down i think the the definition of mystery Something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain, which could also just be Attack of the Clones across the board. <laughs> yeah, I think I read a, a description of Attack of the Clones once, and that's all it said. <laughs> <laughs> Google's definition of a mystery is a mystery is a story that has five basic but important elements. These five component components are the characters, the setting, the plot, the problem and the solution. The author should introduce the characters in the story with enough information that the reader can visualize each person. So you've got the stages of a mystery. 
which as we go on talking about this particular part of the Attack of the Clones mystery, the two, November 2002 IMAX release of Attack of the Clones, which this is probably the greatest Attack of the Clones mystery. It might be, and it may be one of the biggest Star Wars mysteries of them all because this is one of those things that, as far as we know, no longer exists. Like, the holiday special was a mystery, but it's on thousands of VHS tapes now. But the IMAX version of Attack of the Clones kind of only lives in people's memories and their dreams. And maybe on a, a secret digital videotape somewhere in a in a bunker under George Lucas's bed. We did episodes on the mono mix of A New Hope and the different sound mixes. We did an episode on the Super 8 version of the Empire Strikes Back and the mono mix of Empire Strikes Back. Those are all kind of mysteries too, but there's like with all of those, there's evidence. Like we played the clips, the, the audio clips. There's proof that these things happened. This Attack of the Clones IMAX, yeah, all we've got is people's hazy memories. And yeah, in the the, the episode you're about to listen to, we've done the best we can to be like detectives in the this mystery here and try and put the clues together to try and figure out what the heck happened in November of 2002 and what was the Attack of the Clones IMAX. And there's a good chance a good portion of this episode is going to be our hazy memories of the Attack of the Clones IMAX release. So you may be asking yourself, why is this? What's the mystery here? If you weren't there in 2002, you've probably seen the poster with Yoda. You probably know that there was this Attack of the Clones IMAX release back in 2002. But there's probably like, well, whatever. You know, every movie, when movies are in theaters, gets, you know, like a big IMAX release. And probably just about every local neighborhood movie theater has their, quote, IMAX screen. But back in 2002, it was a little bit different. 2002 IMAX situation was still kind of IMAX theaters were regulated to still like science museums and stuff like that. And they couldn't play anything longer than two hours. Yeah. And even then most movies made for IMAX, I want to say were around an hour because it might be like, Oh, look at it's dinosaurs or it's the Amazon rainforest in 3d or something. It was, these kind of educational almost films made just for IMAX. And you kind of had to be near a bigger city to get to an IMAX because like you said, they would maybe be at a museum or like the one in Chicago is at Navy pier. Like they aren't, weren't necessarily just like at the, the Cineplex down the street. Yeah. Here by me, it was at uh, the Henry Ford museum in Dearborn it was a big deal when Attack of the Clones was announced that it was to be playing on IMAX theaters because it was like, this is incredible. The IMAX screens that were at like the science museums and stuff weren't like the neighborhood theater IMAX screens. These screens were massive, like the standard size of a movie, like a, a traditional IMAX screen is 72 feet by 53 feet, which is ludicrous. Yeah, it's like watching a movie projected on the side of a very large building. <laughs> and if you haven't been in one, even the seats, it was like super, 
stadium seating where you were like almost the rows went back almost vertical. Like it almost looks like the Senate pod in <laughs> Attack of the Clones or Phantom Menace. Like it's that steep and you're literally just, yeah, staring at a giant wall of picture with, I want to say they had, I don't know, 50 speakers <laughs> spread all over the place. Supersonic sound, super huge picture. Yeah, the idea of seeing Attack of the Clones just a matter of months after it played in theaters on the most giant screen possible, as loud as humanly possible. It was a huge deal. People were freaking out when it was announced. Then let's go back to 2002. Gabe, do you remember Do you remember when your, re, your feelings, when it was announced? Do you remember your theatrical experience watching Attack of the Clones in this way? Well, Attack of the Clones was extra crazy all around because there was the initial release on film in normal theaters, even though I think one, maybe two theaters played Phantom Menace projected digital, Attack of the Clones had a wider release. So eventually there were, you know, one or two screens, depending on what state you lived in, that were probably showing Attack of the Clones digital which was not only projected digital, it had extra scenes in it just to keep it Star Wars. And then I want to say the IMAX release was announced after it was already in theaters, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and then at that point, it was a third version that was coming because IMAX movies, yeah, could only be two hours. It was going to be a completely third cut of the movie. In the first six months of release, you've got three different cuts of the same movie playing in theaters. And potentially at the end there, there could have been all three playing at the same time. But yeah, the idea of seeing clones in IMAX was exciting because I, you know, luckily was in, I actually was living in the city of Chicago at the time. So I had two choices for our IMAX theaters. There was the one in the city and then there was a, another one in the north suburbs. I actually, at this point, can't remember which one I went to, but I knew I'd be able to get to an IMAX screen and I was looking forward to it. I think the only downside was it was only two weeks later that the DVD was going to come out. So it was almost like if you had Attack of the Clones fever, it was building to overload at that point between the IMAX release and the DVD release. Yeah, I remember a bunch of us loaded up in a car went to Dearborn, saw it at the Henry Ford. And I the only thing I remember of watching it is noticing that the things that were cut out were cut out and being like, this is kind of weird. It was like the, you know, like a weird TV version of Attack of the Clones or something. It was like Attack of the Clones Light. And I just remember like Anakin and Obi-Wan's heads, like when people were talking, just being huge. Yeah. It's just like I'm so close to Ewan McGregor's fate giant head right now on a screen. Like, this is just kind of weird. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was enormous. I think I feel like we were sitting off to the side because it was a big deal to go see it. So it was like it was sold out. It was full. So like our seats were off to the side. So it's like not only was it huge, it was like kind of <laughs> looking at it from an angle. But I just remember the movie going so quickly because it had 20 minutes cut out of it like it it just it moved just like at a 
rapid hyperspeed pace because you would be expecting the next scene to come and it wouldn't be there and it would jump to the to the next scene and before you know it you're at the at the end of the movie and then it, it's done i just i remember too i went a second time right before christmas like i want to say it was like december 23rd or something and i was going home for christmas and i stopped in grand rapids and i they were still playing Attack of the Clones IMAX in Grand Rapids. And I went and I was wearing, I was actually wearing, I remember I was wearing my uh, Django Fett hoodie sweatshirt from Celebration 2, you know, representing. <laughs> and I, there was like maybe two other people in the theater. And I was just like, I'm just going to stop for some a quick little, quick little break for Attack of the Clones real quick. Because I knew it was probably the last time I'd get to see any Attack of the Clones in the theater. And I just remember that was a really nice, like, Peace out. I love you, Attack of the Clones. Next time. I already have you on DVD. Don't care. Big screen's the way to go. Just say goodbye to Obi-Wan's fake beard on the side of a building. <laughs> you never looked so good. It's it's the crazy thing though, like we said, that the IMAX, like what their their reels, their trays that the film kept in were so huge that they couldn't physically play anything bigger than two hours. So what, 22, 23 minutes had to be removed from Attack of the Clones for it to play. And I remember that being a big deal, like before the movie came out, where it was like, well, yeah, Attack of the Clones is going to play in IMAX. That's cool. But how's that going to work? Because <laughs> every scene in that movie is my favorite part. So, like, what are they going to take out? It's so crazy because this was an official release six months five months whatever after the movie came out in theaters way trimmed down and here it is here's your star wars movie you got to think something like that would never ever happen again no well for for multiple reasons too one because there's not that limitation anymore and two i don't think anyone other than maybe crazy george lucas would be okay with that something i keep thinking about it, it reminds me a lot of clone wars playing theatrically before the series started as rough as those first couple episodes are the fact that George Lucas had faith in the show and kind of maybe could see what it was going to become and also didn't even care if people didn't like it or not he was like I want it in the theater if you think about Attack of the Clones like that was the first you know, it wasn't the first movie filmed digitally but it was the first big Hollywood mass distributed completely digitally filmed movie of all the things to put on the world's biggest movie screen. That was kind of crazy because the resolution of the cameras they used were basically what we have for what Blu-ray is. You know, it's like projecting a Blu-ray on the side of a what six story building or whatever they say it is. It wasn't necessarily, you could say the best example of something to blow up that big but they did it anyway because it's star wars and it's like if you're not going to be big and crazy then why are why are we doing this Your favorite sci-fi movies is showing on the big screen at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville. 
Star Wars fanatics crammed into the Space and Rocket Center today. They were lining up to see Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones in the IMAX theater. Episode Two was released to about 50 IMAX theaters nationwide yesterday. Jedi junkies can check out the movie four times a day. True fans say IMAX will add the effects in a special way. I think it's going to be uh, a, a lot more exciting. Uh, obviously, the screen is huge. It's, it's just going to pull you into it, I think. Uh, and obviously, an awesome sound system. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones will show at 3 p.m., 5.30, 7.45, and then again at 10 p.m. It will be on the IMAX big screen until January 2nd. Tickets for the big show are $10 for adults and $8 for children. with a little bit of IMAX history. The the first real like non-science kind of thing that was an experiment to try and get people to go check out these IMAX screens was actually the Rolling Stones live at the Max 1991 concert movie, which was 85 minutes. It was a compilation of concert footage specially filmed in IMAX during the Rolling Stones 1990 Steel Wheels tour kind of gave the impression of uh, one big concert. And it was kind of a big hit for IMAX. And there was kind of the idea of like, oh, well, maybe there we could do something more with this than, like you said, just like the history of aviation or something like that. And then kind of the next big thing was in 2000, Disney produced uh, Fantasia 2000, which was the first full-length animated feature uh, initially released exclusively in IMAX, which was another big deal and perfect for IMAX, like Disney animation and the music and everything. Was it in, I think in September 2002, was a cut down version of the 1995 film Apollo 13. And that was the the first application of the DMR process, the digital media remastering process which upconverts conventional films to IMAX's format, which, like we said, now in like your neighborhood IMAX theaters, that's like everything. And that let IMAX venues show films originally shot for conventional theaters. Well, it is interesting looking back that the first two of these big films on IMAX were Attack of the Clones with George Lucas and Apollo 13 with Ron Howard, who know each other pretty well. (laughs) <laughs> that it kind of makes sense that those two would uh, go hand in hand into this new new technology here. And then eventually, after Attack of the Clones, they they figured out uh, increasing the size of the platters and the the DMR releases in the future didn't have the limitation of two hours or less. And I think it was the first full length movie non edited that played in theaters for. IMAX, I think, was uh, The Matrix Reloaded, just the very next year after Attack of the Clones was released. I don't remember if I went to see it or not. I think I did, but I don't remember. <laughs> I don't, those movies are just always playing in my head. It's hard to remember what they looked like on a on a screen. So yeah, like we were saying, though, when, when Attack of the Clones was going to be released on IMAX, it was a huge deal because, you know, Ron Howard's movie was a big hit, but Still, it's not Star Wars. And this was the first 
giant movie that was still just a matter of months out from its initial release coming to IMAX. And it was hyped up. Yeah, it had its own poster. I remember StarWars.com was promoting the hell out of it, right? Yeah, it was on, it was everywhere. There was a, I think there was an uh, exclusive Bantha Tracks you could get at the at some of the IMAX screenings. And like we said earlier, that the Yoda poster is kind of one of the classic Star Wars posters now, in a way. Attack of the Clones marketing was on fire with the Huda Man, Yoda Man for the DVD and Size Matters Not for the IMAX. They knew what they were doing in 2002. Huda Man, Yoda Man. When you can bring home the ultimate Jedi Master in the biggest lightsaber-wielding adventure ever. Star Wars, Episode 2, Yoda the Man. Available on DVD and VHS. Rated PG. One big question we've had all this time, before we start getting into what was actually on the screen, the evidence that existed was, who cut this down? You know, because it was always, I remember thinking that watching it, like, you know, George Lucas is so protective of looking at every frame, literally, with the frames books, (laughs) frame by frame by frame. And the fact that you could just release it with 23 minutes and just huge chunks of it gone was always kind of like how in the world did this happen and we've wondered this for almost 20 years until just this week we finally had some confirmation to our suspicions of who made this happen maybe you've heard of him matthew wood aka big fortuna friend of the show maybe a listener we don't know he confirmed for us that the, the person that cut down Attack of the Clones was none other than Ben Burt. He said, Ben made the edit with the time constraint in mind. It was seen as a one-off edit for the format. He did it rather quickly and effectively. <laughs> the, the jack of all trades, the man of many talents, Ben Burt, who was the only credited editor on the theatrical, I mean, on the movie itself. Like, he did the sound design and the video editing, the film editing for Attack of the Clones. So it makes sense that it would be him, but it's just another, it's almost like a little bit with our Tom Vagley interview about the Raiders on record, how it's like, you need something cut down (laughs) quickly and ineffectively throw it to Ben and he can get, he can make Raiders 45 minutes and he made Attack of the Clones two hours. What else did Ben Burt do? What are, what other secrets does he have? Like, I want to go to Ben Burt's house and have his short Star Wars film marathon. Where he's like, all right, guys, sit on down. I got the 15-minute cut of Return of the Jedi. Okay, Ben. Roll the tape. <laughs> yeah, what can't Ben Burt do? He can write. He can direct. He can sound design. He can edit. He can ride a scooter. He can shoot a bow and arrow, I think. It's a question with no answer. There's nothing Ben Burt can do. You know what that's called? A mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's, let's examine the evidence of what's been reported online. There's a couple sites where, I don't know, some maniacs were taking notes back in 2002 about what was missing. And what we did here is we compared it to the actual film, Attack of the Clones, step-by-step, beat-by-beat, to try and describe for you listeners what it was like watching this cut-down version of Attack of the Clones back in 2002 on IMAX screens. 
So if you go by the the five components of the mystery, you've got the the setting, which is, you know, your theater in 2002. You've got the characters, which is us, everyone that watched it, and Ben Burt. And you've got the plot, which is what was ever happening on the screen with everyone confused watching it. Yeah, what was or wasn't in this cut. And what was or wasn't in this cut that was or wasn't in the 35mm or the digital release as well is adds to the mystery. Which is fascinating because, as we're going to get into, it was kind of a hodgepodge of the film and digital. And then it, what's also interesting, too, is the DVD, which came out two weeks later, was a whole other version. Well, and... Take all these notes with a grain of salt, too, because the people taking these notes probably saw the 35 millimeter version multiple times before they saw this and may or may not have seen the digital version as well. So did they remember it right or are they remembering it wrong? Because that's the crazy. There's there's a whole list of things that were different in the digital version from the film version. But when I saw the digital version, of course, all I remembered was the robot hand taking Padme's hand at the end, which is now like the version that's on Disney Plus. There's the robot hand. Listeners remember on opening night going to go going to see Attack of the Clones, there was no robot hand taking Padme's hand at the wedding. And to make it more confusing, if you watch the commentary on the DVD for Attack of the Clones, when they're talking about some of the things are added, I want to say in the commentary they can't even remember if they added them for the DVD or the digital version. I think when they're talking about the sparks on Django's backpack, whoever's talking doesn't remember when they added them. According to the notes, that was a digital edition. And that was another one when I saw the digital version that was messing with my mind because I was like, was that always there? I don't know. It's like the changes in Revenge of the Sith, which is a whole other story. They're so subtle You'll go crazy trying to find them, but they're there. That's a whole nother thing. And it's really hard to keep your mind from just focusing on the golden hand holding Padme's hand. It's like trying not to think about it. You can't. Okay. So, okay. Attack of the Clones. It opens up in IMAX with the, the crawl, the ship, Corday's death, Typho. Everybody's got Typho fever. Everything seems normal as you're sitting there watching the movie going on opens up just like you remember it but right after that the whole scene with amadala yoda bill organa and palpatine's office all that's out yeah right away you're in a daze what's going on where did the time go we're already at the next scene so it cut from she did her duty now we have to do ours right to Obi-Wan and Anakin coming into Padme's apartment. But I think the elevator was still in there, if I remember right. But it cut right from the, it cut Jar Jar completely out. And it went right from the elevator into the starting with Obi-Wan and Anakin talking about how they're going to find the person responsible and all that. Which I kind of remember like sitting in the theater being like, oh man, they cut out Jar Jar. Well, and that, is one of the layers to this mystery because a lot of the things that were cut out were the things that people who didn't like the film complained about. So you could almost feel like, oh, they cut that stuff out because people didn't like it. But then on the other hand, they had to cut this movie down to two hours. So why wouldn't they cut those scenes out? Because some of those scenes weren't necessarily the core of the story. 
But it's like I said earlier, when every scene's your favorite scene, they can't cut any of them out. <laughs> There's no way not to be disappointed. So after that, Django and, and Zam, that's all there. And amazingly, the whole conversation at night in Padme's apartment, like, you look tired. Dreams pass in time. All that stuff is still in there. Because it's integral to the story. We're learning that Palpatine's a politician. It's, you know, it's all important. It's all beautiful. It's all wonderful. It's pure attack of the clones. You got to have it. So, yeah, there's the whole thing with the, the worms coming in the window and all the stuff. Obi-Wan jumping out the window. The whole part where uh, Dorme comes in and asks Padme, you all right, my lady? That's gone. So all Dorme fans immediately got up and left the IMAX theater. <laughs> they headed to the door, May. So one weird minor trim, I guess, that happened. Like the the chase through Coruscant, I guess, was com- completely still intact for for the most part, which makes sense. I mean, that's kind of a a really IMAX perfect scene moment in Attack of the Clones. But I guess like when Obi Wan is hanging on to the droid and it tries to scrape Obi Wan off by going against the side of a building, that was removed. Ben Burt, you maniac. Let's get right to the right to the good meat. No appetizers. Gotta hit that main course. I just remember the part where Anakin backs out the yellow speeder and like the, the back of the speeder goes right up to the screen. I remember people in the theater being like, Whoa. Well, and the best part about it being on a giant screen like that too is is you could see the the aliens driving the other cars much clearer. Take all your time, that Doug. So the Outlander Club, uh, the death of Zam, that was all still there. Anakin talking to the Council, Anakin talking to Palpatine. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi. That's all still there. But the discussion with Obi-Wan, Mace, and Yoda on his little uh, floating tray, gone which I never put it together too, but if you rewatch that scene, Yoda floating on his little tray, it's kind of like a uh, Grogu in his little pod. Yeah, it kind of is. So after that, we cut to Padme packing, which is still in the IMAX cut, except for they. I guess there was a minor trim supposedly of Anakin playing with the floating ball, and like some of the part where he says he's ready for the trials and all that stuff. Like, why? Does Ben Burt have a problem with floating balls? You gotta gotta pick up the pace. (laughs) If no one's saying anything that's not absolutely important to following the story, maybe it's fair game. Because you gotta admire that, you know, when it came to the action scenes, there were no compromises. So he was gonna cut (laughs) any of the drama that he could cut to keep all the set pieces at their maximum. You can't argue with that logic. Because it is IMAX. You don't go to IMAX to see delicate conversations. You want yellow speeders to back into your face. <laughs> My dinner with Andre. IMAX. I, you know, that could be cool. Well, in 2002, it wasn't cool. It wasn't extreme enough. So on the train, uh, the tearful goodbye was all cut out. And guess who's seen was once again completely removed. Dorme. <laughs> Don't, don't let the dorme hit you on the way out. <laughs> if she was already gone, then you wouldn't 
miss her if you didn't know, I guess. Yeah, when every scene's your favorite, every cut hurts. You know, there was somebody who was the number one Dorme fan who was like, I'm going to see Attack of the Clones in IMAX tomorrow, and I can't wait to see Dorme in IMAX. You know, like we said, I don't think people were really prepared for what cutting 20 minutes out of the movie was going to be. <laughs> it's hard, it's hard to, to wrap your head around that until you see it. So Dexter's Diner was all still there. But after that, the library scene with the Lost 20, Jocasta New, gone. Whole thing. That part hurt. I remember, like, where's Jocasta New? I hardly Jocasta knew you, and you're already gone. More like Jocasta No. <laughs> yeah. Jocasta never even existed. Anakin and Padme in disguise, like you would say, we're encouraged to love. That's all still there. And I think that's the thing, too, that it was kind of like, where I guess those scenes are, like, important to the plot. I don't, you see, somebody could argue, too, that the library scene is also important to the plot. Because after that, there's Yoda and the younglings where Obi-Wan shows up talking about Kamino. He knows there's a planet missing and he can't find it. So you still know what's going on. It is. It's like we're watching Attack of the Clones on record. There's big chunks missing, but the key points to at least keep you from being confused are still there. I think they assumed everyone going to see Attack of the Clones on IMAX had already seen it once or twice in the normal theater, I would love to hear from somebody who the Attack of the Clones IMAX experience was their first time watching the movie. Because like we said, even if you watch Attack of the Clones every single day, describing the actual plot to someone in maybe one sentence could be a bit of a mystery. Yet yeah, someone who yeah was just going in with the IMAX version and trying to follow the story along, what was that like? But even with the entire full Attack of the Clones, sometimes it's still hard to follow the story. Like, if there's any Star Wars movie that's confusing, it's Attack of the Clones. So how is it any more or less confusing with cutting a few scenes out of it? It's true. It's a good point. It's a really good point. None of these scenes said who Sifo-Dyas was, <laughs> whether they were in the movie or not. So after Yoda and the Younglings, there's uh, Anakin and Padme uh, landing on Naboo. But I guess it cut away right where they were, like, going down, like, that curved column. And they, uh, don't worry, we have our two with us. <laughs> cut away from that. So the entire meeting with Queen Jamila, gone. Bibble removed from Attack of the Clones. No Bibble and IMAX. All the Bibble fans then got to go meet all the Dorme fans out in the lobby a lot of crying in the lobby. Nobody told me there'd be no Bibble. Nobody told me Doray was missing. It should have been in the description of like this movie's rated PG-13 for no Dorme, no Bibble. There may or may not be a floating ball. <laughs> There's this one guy with a cotton ball beard, scotch tape to his face, <laughs> standing up in the middle of the theater, throwing his popcorn down. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. This is outrageous. So Obi-Wan uh, lands on Kamino, talks to the Kamino crew. That's all still there, which is great. Uh, when uh, Anakin and Padme, there's a, quite a bit cut out. 
and a lot of their conversation on the balcony is trimmed, like Anakin saying, uh, here everything is soft and smooth, it's gone, the accidental hand touch is gone, the kiss is still intact, though, so. Keeping the romance, you can't cut the romance out. It's part of Attack of the Clones, it's part of the, it's part of the beauty, part of the wild, savage beauty of that movie. So Obi-Wan tours the factory, that's all in there, which is great. But then, shocker, after that, the picnic by the waterfall is completely removed. Which I remember in the theater kind of being like, that's a crime. Because that would have looked awesome. I remember the feeling when that scene came up and was not there. Of like, man, come on. I get it, you gotta trim it. But you can't You can't cut out the waterfall. I wanted to hear about Paolo's dreamy eyes. In super surround sound giant speakers. That's like doing Phantom Menace and cutting out the pod race. Like the picnic by the waterfall. That's the pod race of Attack of the Clones. It's the part in the middle to get you pumped. That when they were planning Attack of the Clones, that was like, how do we top the picnic by the waterfall? Because when Anakin is riding that, that shock, where do you go from there? That's why they had to have like five endings at the end, because it was the only way to build up the momentum from the picnic and the waterfall. Now, this is really crazy, though, because if you cut out the waterfall scene, then it would go from Obi-Wan touring the factory, then cutting right to Obi-Wan meeting Django. So he might have been like, I'd like to meet this Django Fett. Okay, boom, here he is. What's interesting to think about with these like heavy edits is maybe like... Obi tours the factory and then cuts to beating Django originally was all one sequence that during the editing process, they inserted the waterfall in the middle. And some of these things just kind of reverted to earlier edits. That's true. I've never considered that, but that's really, really true. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, because you've got basically, you know, it's the thing with attack of the clones. You've got, these two movies, you've got Obi-Wan's investigation mystery playing side by side with young Jedi and Senator romance. See, that would have been the way to do this. It should have been three IMAX releases. And one is the whole Anakin Padme story as its own movie. One is the Obi-Wan Django mystery story as its own movie. And then you go back the next week to just watch the last 30 minutes of action as its own movie. <laughs> I would do it. I'd be, I'd be ready to go. Maybe to compete with the the Snyder Cut on HBO Max, maybe we'll get like a four-hour version of Attack of the Clones that's split into six chapters. <laughs> so the dinner table and the space pair is in there. The fireside romance is there, but heavily cut down. I guess some of the beautiful I'm haunted by the kiss you never should have given me is gone. I remember breathing a sigh of relief that the pair was still there. <laughs> oh, after after Dormay and Bibble, it wasn't looking good for the pair. I was like, no. I, I have a really bad feeling that the pair is going to be gone. But the, yes, thankfully, the pair was in IMAX. All the pair fans, you could hear them cheering in the back of the theater. <laughs> So back on Camino, the whole scene where Obi-Wan uh, heads out to have R4 send a message to the old folks home, that was cut out. Anakin dreaming, gone. Right after, well, I think probably then right after the the talk between 
Obi-Wan and Jango, then it must have just cut to Anakin looking out at the dawn, like very Vader-like, thinking about Shmi. Well, and it's interesting, too, because that edit almost implies more adult action than in the real movie. Because we don't see Anakin in bed by himself dreaming. We just see Fireside Romance and then Anakin standing outside and and then Padme coming out in her PJs. Like, mm. it's a little more mm, risque. Yeah. They leave a little more to the imagination and your imagination can take you places that the regular movie would not. So then we cut to the Obi-Wan Jango fight, uh, which is pretty much intact, but I guess Boba's firing the Slave One cannons at Obi-Wan was cut out of the fight. And then uh, Anakin, Padme, and Watto, all still there, including the Arkadarkad droid. There's another sigh of relief at that part, too. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. The okie dokie droid is still there. And thank you. The entire Watto sequence was deemed so essential. If you're going to project Attack of the Clones on the side of a building, you've got to have Watto's hat. <laughs> Watto's hat is the beginning of the building to the end of the movie. The, the crescendo of excitement starts with Watto's hat. Maybe you can help me with some deadbeats, huh? <laughs> absolute best we need more toydarians in all the disney plus shows if there's one thing that's been wrong with the disney plus mandalorian whatever there's been no toydarians we just need one floating by you know (laughs) look at me (laughs) i'm a toydarian i'm on a tv show you're watching the disney plus huh there should be commercials or the, the Star Wars Disney Plus. We got so many shows, you don't believe it. You're going to freak out. <laughs> okay, so Seismic Charge Chase, still there, completely intact, obviously. But you've got to wonder, too, if, if Ben Burt was editing this. I think it was, it was Ben Burt that was messing around with all those different audio mixes. Like when we did our mono mix episodes for A New Hope and Empire, it was all Ben Burt messing around with these movies. I wonder if Ben Bird did a new sound mix for the IMAX release. You would think he probably would have, right? Probably because IMAX, I want to say, had more more speaker areas than normal theaters at the time because that was before oh, the way theaters are now where there's like the theater speakers on top of you and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there wasn't that in normal theaters. And I think some of that, yeah, I bet you there was a new audio mix. Anakin and Padme land on Tatooine. They talk to 3PO. That's all there. But the introduction of Owen and Baru and Baru's one and only line in Attack of the Clones, hello, completely removed. So now all the Baru fans are now joining all the Bibble fans and all the Dorme fans out in the lobby, ripping the posters out, stomping on them, just singing the Baru's. So, but though, if you're sad about Baru's one and only line getting cut, you'd be happy that Klieg Lars telling the tale of picking mushrooms up by the evaporators was 100% still intact. But it's unclear if Klieg Lars's introduction then was cut. Probably, right? It was probably just here's this man in a floating chair with one leg 
talking about Shmi. We didn't get the whole Quigwar, Shmi's my wife, or any of that. It was just, she was out picking mushrooms. She's dead, kid. Deal with it. Shut up and deal with it. It must have been. They just cut right to Klieg. At this part, you're you're either into the movie or you're not. So they could just throw Klieg Lars at you. I'd go out there floating through the whole desert in my little chair. But, you know, this leg, I can't do it. It'd get infected. <laughs> I can't use this magical floating chair to go out in the desert. I got to wait till I can walk. Wait till, I got to wait till dawn. It's too late. Kid, you can go out there, but I don't, I don't recommend. So Anakin leaves. That was incredible in IMAX with Duel of the Fates playing and everything. Everyone, it's crowd surfing. I think mosh pits were still a thing in 2002. I think mosh pits broke out in the theater. Obi-Wan spying on the meeting at Geonosis. Watt Tambor in IMAX, still there. Shmi's death, sand people attack, all still intact. But Qui-Gon's no, and Yoda and Mace, all gone. Which is crazy. So then what? Anakin attacking like the sand people. And that last shot of him very dramatic looking right into the camera, like cutting off a sand person head. It just flows so well into that Anakin, Anakin, no. But then after that scene, according to the records that exist, it would have cut then to Obi-Wan sending the message to Anakin. Which How weird would that have been? And doesn't the sand people attack end with a wipe so they would have had to wipe from that to this new scene and not the old scene yeah not the like yoda listening to it i sense pain and all that stuff so the the confession scene is there uh but it's trimmed dramatically with anakin talking about like the shifter broke and life seems so much simpler when you're fixing things that's all gone but the ending of the confession scene is the original ending the theater version and padme's whole like to be human all that stuff that was in the digital version and is now like on disney plus and came out on the dvd that was not in the IMAX version. If you were a student of Attack of the Clones from May to November of 2002, you were completely confused at this point. If you were in the audience shouting out lines, you, sound like an, you sounded like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Padme's to be human part? I saw it once at the digital projection thing in Southfield. I'm so confused. Shmi's funeral, all still there. Uh, the message from Obi-Wan, got to go to Tatooine, all still there. However, after that, the scene in Palpatine's office where he manipulates Jar Jar into making the emergency powers, completely gone. So you've got no Bail Organa, the debate is not over, no Senator Askask, all of that gone. Which is sad, but it makes sense since the office scene was removed at the beginning. I think there's a consistency there. It's like Dorme. It's like once you cut one Dorme scene, you can cut all the Dorme scenes. And once you cut one Senate in the office scene, I guess they're all going to go. Which I remember, that's a thing too. I remember watching it being like, this has got like no Palpatine parts. And weirdly, the movie still kind of worked without Palpatine. <laughs> well, going back through this, it almost makes me wonder if this was somehow inspiration for the the brutal edit of revenge of the sith when they got to the point where it's like we're cutting out everything that doesn't have anything to do with anakin oh yeah and we're cutting out all the senate stuff because it's not it doesn't immediately deal with anakin and it's almost like 
they had to do something similar with this where it's like, well, we're just going to cut all the Senate stuff out because we don't have time. And then maybe they, it's like, oh, it still kind of works. So, so then we cut to Obi-Wan in jail. So we've cut right from, we've got to go, we've got to go save Obi-Wan. We got to leave Tatooine to Obi-Wan in jail in this little floating jail, which would kind of make sense. But Dooku's like kind of walking past the Geonosians is cut, as was the end for some reason. When Dooku's like, it might be difficult to secure your release, that was cut. So Christopher Lee just talks too slow. <laughs> it's like, sorry, Chris, you only get the middle of your dialogue because you don't talk fast enough. Oh, no, my friend, no. This is madness. That was all still there. They should have just played him at double speed. Traitor. Oh, no, my friend. This is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. This is madness. I thought you were the leader here, Dooku. This had nothing to do with me, I assure you. I will petition immediately to have you set free. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. May I ask why a Jedi Knight is all the way out here on Geonosis? I've been tracking a bounty hunter named Jango Fett. Do you know him? You know, it would have made sense in the moment if I was sitting there, November 2002, be like, this is, yeah, Attack of the Clones. It's no rules. This movie doesn't play by your rules. It plays by Ben Burtt's rules. Yeah. Yeah. Now thinking back too, I kind of wish we would have just kept the whole movie and just played the movie at a faster speed so it all fit. It's like, why not? You want to see Attack of the Clones IMAX? We're going to show it to you at hyperspeed and it's going to. Make your head explode, and if you can't handle it, then don't buy a ticket. When we're sitting at Ben Burt's house and he's showing us his, his secret tapes, that's what he busts out at like two thirty in the morning. He's like, "You guys, you guys have made it through all the other stuff. Now I got to attack the clones and double speed." Well, if we're lucky, Netflix is adding all that crazy nonsense where you can watch movies at one and a half speed and stuff. So at some point, Disney Plus probably will, and then we can watch all the Star Wars movies in hyperspeed. Lightspeed skipping edition. That's what they can call it. <laughs> so weirdly, though, they cut out like Palpatine influ- influencing Jar Jar. But the Senate scene with Jar Jar giving Palpatine supreme executive powers is still there. It doesn't matter why it happened. It just matters that it did happen. <laughs> it's true. So Anakin and Padme, they land on Geonosis. The whole part, the whole business with uh, R2 and 3PO kind of bickering on the ship, whether they should go to, that's all removed. The factory scene, there was a lot in there, I guess. Some quick cuts and edits. The part where C-3PO is hanging by his fingertips. Yeah. That was gone, so that's kind of a shame. It's a nightmare! One of the teases of the molten metal, where you see the canister iris open up and drop, going to find out that it wasn't Padme's container. That was cut, so it was just trimmed up. I would love to watch that again, though, and listen to how they trimmed that already insane music trim that played on the, on the, the factory how they adapted the factory yet again to be even crazier. It would just be like one less. I don't think you would even notice. That's true. That's true. Because it's that whole scene just. Just play the Yoda part again. Just play half the Yoda theme. Yeah. 
so now we're coming into the third act and like the the final half hour of the movie and according to records there were very little cuts uh the whole genosis arena was completely intact so one weird thing though in the end when padme falls out of the troop transport and the clone trooper arrives to help her it's the version from the digital cut where instead of her saying yes quickly she says groggily like uh-huh so there's some stuff from the film version some stuff from the digital version in this IMAX cut well and i can't remember and i don't know that it was in anyone's notes was the metal hand hold during the wedding in the IMAX cut i didn't see it in anyone's notes but going by my own memory i think it was because I remember almost passing out when I saw Attack of the Clones digital, and that was the first time I saw the robot hand caressing Padme's hand. And I feel like if that wasn't there, you know, I would have been like the Dorme fans and been <laughs> like, I demand a refund. There is no robot hand. That's where I'm leaning towards, too, because I think as much as this was sensory overload seeing the IMAX cut, once I saw the robot hand, I don't know that I could watch it again and not see it and not have a a strong reaction to not seeing it. If if I watched any version of Attack the Clones now and there was no robot hand in the end, I would have been like, I don't know what movie I just watched. I'd be like, guess what? Podcast is over. I hate Star Wars now. I'm giving this all up. Maybe we'll just do a podcast about blueberries. Be like, Gabe, tell me about the blueberries you ate this week. Let's hey, Michigan grows some good blueberries. They sure do. They sure do. If you're in the summertime in Michigan, you got to get some blueberries. So watch out when we get tired of this Star Wars nonsense. We're just going to talk about blueberries. Blueberry points coming soon. <laughs> I guess the uh, the end credits were done in like a slideshow format. And I really want to imagine also that the end theme was just played in high speed. I Yeah, because I'm trying to think I cannot for the life of me remember what the credits looked like. And, you know, that's my weird thing with Star Wars movies. I have to stay through the credits every time I see it. It's one of my weird traditions with Star Wars movies in the theater. Like, I'm sitting here through all the credits, and I'm just going to groove to these sweet tunes. So I probably did it for Attack of the Clones, but no, I have no memory of that whatsoever. But it makes sense. So now we come to the end of the great Attack of the Clones mystery, and that's, you know, we're going by the uh, the, the rules of the mystery, the solution have we solved this mystery? People online have talked about making their own fan-made IMAX cuts. There may have been versions out there floating around. I don't know. And I don't know if we've come to a solution because, yeah, like we said in the beginning, nobody really knows. There's no evidence. Yeah, there hasn't been an official article. There hasn't been a Star Wars you know, insider article listing all the changes. There's not really any bootlegs we know of because it's not like it played at any old theater it was only at imax theaters which was probably a little harder to sneak a camcorder in or something in those days yeah it doesn't exist as a bonus feature on anything it's not on disney plus it wasn't on the official site it's just this thing that really happened and disappeared and it's like you you talk to people and they're like, yeah, well, I saw Attack of the Clones on IMAX and it was cut down and it was kind of weird, but it still made sense. And <laughs> I don't know. Did 
did you see Attack of the Clones in theater? Listener, listen to this right now. What did you th- what did you think? What do you remember? What are your thoughts? I don't know. Let us know your Attack of the Clones IMAX experience and maybe maybe together we can all solve this this great mystery. We can be like like Obi-Wan wandering through Kamino. Get a classroom full of kids to tell us what Attack of the Clones IMAX was like. Justice for Dorme, finally. Well, and the other mystery is there was no IMAX release for Revenge of the Sith. So was this a success? Was this considered a failure? Was this too much of a pain in the butt? <laughs> Did Ben Burt say, I don't want to do another one of these? Like, what changed between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith? Well, in just the next year, there were, like we said, there was Matrix Reloaded. They figured out how to play a movie longer than two hours in this IMAX format. They could have just released Revenge of the Sith as is. And I remember even thinking after Attack of the Clones being like, well, I bet they'll do all of them. Thinking like, God, imagine the Death Star battle in A New Hope or imagine Hoth in Empire or the end of Return of the Jedi, the space battle in that. Imagine that in IMAX or... Even the Phantom Menace, the pod race in IMAX. It, why didn't it keep going? I mean, is it something like the 3D releases where it's just one and done? <laughs> it, yeah, it was a test and they just didn't feel like doing another one. M- more layers of mysteries on top of mysteries. figures give you the power of the Jedi. Jango Fett in his Slave One launches a sneak attack. Your Jedi Starfighter blasts from flight to fight mode and fires, but Jango escapes. As Obi-Wan Kenobi use force-flipping action to leap into battle, but Darth Tyrannus is no pushover. Jango Fett takes out Mace Windu. You can use the force to summon a lightsaber into Obi-Wan's hand. Missile deflected. When the massive Reek charges in with its stomping attack, Anakin strikes back with dual lightsabers. With Star Wars Episode II action figures, the Force is in your hands. A galaxy of beasts, vehicles, and action figures each sold separately. Hey, this is actor and creature performer Details from a few of these Star Wars movies set in a galaxy far, far away. And you're tuned in to the Blast Points podcast. May the Force be with you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people... Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. So if you're listening, you probably know the deal with Apple Podcast Reviews. 
uh, when you're done listening to this episode. If you listen on something Apple, go over there, write a little something nice about Blast Points, about this episode, about old episodes, whatever. And we will read your review on an upcoming show. And it helps more people, I think, find the show on Apple when they're looking up Star Wars. And it just makes us feel good seeing those. Brings warm feelings to our heart, like Yoda. Like Yoda in the scene that wasn't in the IMAX cut. Which did not bring warm feelings to my heart. After that, make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you sign up to be in the Blast Points Super Chill Group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon, where we just started a brand new series where we are breaking down the classic episode one, the Phantom Menace documentary, the beginning in 10 minute chunks. So we're doing like a 45 minute hour long episode where we're only talking about 10 minutes of the beginning. So later this month, we'll have minutes 10 through 20 in the beginning, and we might have a special guest joining us. And we want to give thanks to our new Patreon listeners this month. We have Ben, Adam, Jaws That Bite, and Simon. Thank you all so much. Hope you're all enjoying all the bonus stuff over there for the Blast Points Army. But that about wraps up number 257, The Great Attack of the Clones Mystery. Will we ever know? Who knows? Will it ever be released? Do we have to look underneath George Lucas's bed for the tapes? <laughs> Would we get arrested for that? Definitely. Would it be worth it? Definitely. Someday, we'll run into Ben Bird somewhere, and we're just going to ask him about Attack of the Clones on IMAX. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening so much, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.